It's day 27 of Heart Dive 365. I'm your Bible study friend, Kanoi. Welcome to the Heart Dive Podcast. Well, happy Sunday, friends. If you are with us in real time today, this lesson is focusing on Genesis chapters 43 through 45, where we continue the story of Joseph and see how it all pans out. But before we begin, if you could please help us out by hitting that like button, that just tells us that you're back. You're here for Bible study. This is part of your life and you feel that this could help somebody else. And so that's your way of giving back and partnering with us. And if you love it, just make sure you're subscribed and you hit that notification bell so that you know when the Bible study comes out. For those of you who are receiving our email daily, of course, you know you get that in your inbox every day. If you want to be a part of our daily newsletter, you can go to our website, heartdive.org slash newsletter. And a reminder, if you signed up a long time ago, you're no longer receiving the emails. And if you're saying, what's that newsletter? I want to be a part of that. Well, this is our daily newsletter that we send out with everything in there, my notes, the video, the podcast. And so you'll have to go and re-sign up. You will have to re-enter your email email, even if you have done it before. So go to our website, heartdive.org slash newsletter. And there you can sign up once again for that daily newsletter because we have switched over to a different email server. And unfortunately, Holly is not able to take all of those emails that we had before and throw them into this new server. They just won't take it not our fault, but we're doing our best to be able to serve everyone. And as always, if you have any questions, please make sure to check out either the show notes or the description box below the video. There you will find lots of answers, what Bible I'm using, what highlighters I'm using. If you want to know what nail polish I have on, maybe I'll even link that there. I'm not sure. Some people have been asking. So check there if you do have any questions. Otherwise, you can also email us. That email address can also be found below. Otherwise, let's go ahead and pray. Let's prepare our hearts and get ready for the reading of the word. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, you've already written our story. You've already written what is to happen from the beginning to the end and everything that is in the middle. And so we trust that and we place it all in your hands. And we just pray, God, that in doing so, it will release a little bit of our own worry and anxiety of what might be going on right now in our lives or even what is going on in the world. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Anything that we've done that has grieved your heart, where we may have hurt someone, where we may have stopped short of a promise or something you've called us to do, Lord, we want to be obedient. We want to be able to live out our lives that is in reverence to you. And so I pray that you will show us where we may have gotten off the path a little bit and bring us back, Lord. Please help us to also forgive those who might have sinned against us. Because if you're going to be so gracious to continue to heap that forgiveness upon us, Lord, we need to be the same way. And so I pray that we will reflect your heart in doing so. Please don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Keep him far from us, Lord. Let this time with you be holy and set apart and distraction-free. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we left off in Genesis 42, where the brothers came back to Jacob saying, hey, you know what? We've got to take back Benjamin with us if we want to be able to buy more grain. Reuben even pleading with his father and saying, take my two sons in my place if I do not return with him. And Jacob was like, absolutely not. I am not going to lose my youngest son the same way that I did Joseph. So we begin here in chapter 43. Now the famine was severe in the land. 
And when they had eaten the grain that they had bought from Egypt, their father said to them, go again, buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, the man solemnly warned us saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. And Israel said, why do you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? So in other words, he is sitting here saying, why in the world did you open your big traps? But they reply in verse seven, the man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred saying, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him was an answer to these questions. Could we in any way know that he would say, bring your brother down? And Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I will pledge of his safety. From my hand, you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If we had not delayed, we would now have returned twice." So Judah here is bearing full responsibility. I mean, he is saying, I am now going to pledge my own life. I will take his place. He will return to you. And so here we're seeing some more redemption in the life of Judah. Verse 11, then their father Israel said to them, if it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags and carry a present down to the man, a little balm and a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Now, these things would have been highly valued in that time. So they are giving their best. So we see that they still have some possessions and some wealth here, even in the midst of the famine. Verse 12, Take double the money with you. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise. Go again to the man. May God Almighty, or El Shaddai, grant you mercy before the man, and may he send back your other brother, meaning Simeon, remember he is still being held, and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved." So the men took this present and they took double the money with them and Benjamin. They arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready for the men are to dine with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and brought the men to Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house and they said, it is because of the money which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we are brought in so that he may assault us and fall upon us to make us servants and seize our donkeys. So here we see Joseph behind the scenes, all excited, preparing a feast for his brothers. And the brothers are trembling in fear, worried that he's about to take them out. I mean, I don't blame them. After all, they still have guilty consciences, right? But their view of why they're at the table is all wrong. It's the same way that Jesus invites us to dine with him at his table, to commune with him. That is where grace and mercy and forgiveness have all been laid out before us. And a lot of people think that they can't come to the table because they haven't yet washed up. You'll hear people say, I'll go to church one day, but if I go right now, the place is going to catch on fire or lightning is going to strike. Or they'll say, let me get right first and then I'll come. Yet he tells us to come as we are. Come with your sickness. He's the great physician. He will heal you. Come with your baggage and your sin. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Come and take a load off because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You see, we don't get well before we go to the doctor. We go to the doctor because we have something that needs fixing. So heart check. What is your view of his table? 
Do you feel you can come and dine with him at any time? Verse 19, so they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke with him at the door of the house and said, Oh, my Lord, we came down the first time to buy food. And when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks and there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. And we can't help but see the heartbeat of God right here because God will pay us back in full. So they continue, we have brought it again with us and we have brought other money down with us to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. And he replied, Peace to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. So here we see that the steward obviously has some faith. I don't know if Joseph had some sort of witnessing, something to do with that. And he says, I received your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. And when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water, and they had washed their feet, and when he had given their donkeys fodder, they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. So whenever we come into the Father's house, in to dine with Jesus, that is where we're going to find that refreshing. He's going to cleanse us. He's going to feed us the same way that Joseph and the steward are doing with the brothers here. We will see a lot about washing feet in the Bible. And if you're new and you don't know why or what that means, well, typically the reason why they would wash the feet of their guests is because these people would have been traveling far distances and they would have been walking with sandals. I mean, that's all they had back then for shoes. And with all of the dusty conditions and these long journeys, their feet would have been crusted. I mean, it would have been very dirty. And so for them to be able to come in and relax and be refreshed, this was something that needed to take place before they would do that. Now, washing of the feet also becomes something that's very symbolic as a way of saying we are dusting off the dirt from where we came from and we are now being cleansed before we come into the house. Or it even becomes an act of forgiveness and saying, you know what? I'm going to serve you the way that Jesus did with his disciples. He washes their feet to show his servant heart. So typically, the lowliest of servants were the ones to wash the feet. Verse 26, when Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present that they had with them, and they bowed down to him to the ground, as Joseph dreamed, of course. Verse 27, and he inquired about their welfare and said, is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? And they said, your servant, our father is well, he is still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, so this is his full brother, and said, Is this your youngest brother, of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber, and he wept there. And this shows the picture of the two times in the New Testament where Jesus also weeps. We talked about one before, when Jesus wept because of the fact that Israel has rejected him for a final time. And also, whenever his friend Lazarus had died, he also wept in that moment. So, this is symbolic of that as well. Then he washed his face and came out, and controlling himself, he said, serve the food. And they served him by himself, and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. Now, the Egyptians actually thought that they were from the gods. They really believed they were above all other people, especially the hairy Hebrews. And because of the fact that Joseph is having to conceal his identity, he is not eating with his brothers at this time. They're all separate. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth. So they are being seated in order 
of their ages. And the men looked at one another in amazement because they're like, how does he know? Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. So why is Joseph giving Benjamin the bigger portion? Well, it could have been to see if they're going to react in the same manner that they did when Joseph got the coat with the big sleeves or the coat of honor. You see, he didn't cast judgment based on their past. He gave them a chance to prove that they've changed. He's giving them a retake on the failed exam. So would they still be envious and jealous or would they be able to rejoice with their little brother? This would prove their spiritual maturity the same way that it does with us. Whenever we can weep with those who weep, but more importantly, rejoice with those who rejoice, Paul says that this is the mark of a true Christian. So heart check, are you able to rejoice when others around you get a bigger portion or does it stir up hostility or jealousy? Chapter 44, then he commanded the steward of his house, fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack and put my cup, the silver cup in the mouth of the sack, the youngest with his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph told him. Now, as soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away with their donkeys. They had gone only a short distance from the city. Now Joseph said to his steward, up, follow after the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? Is it not from this that my Lord drinks, and by this that he practices divination? You have done evil in doing this. Now, of course, we don't believe that Joseph actually practiced divination, but again, he's trying to conceal his identity and to relate to the Egyptians. And so, this silver cup was actually special in the pagan eyes. This would have been a cup where they consulted the will of God through observing some sort of special liquid in this kind of special cup. Verse six, when he overtook them, he spoke to them these words. And they said to him, why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money that we found in the mouths of our sacks, we brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? Whichever of your servants is found with it shall die, and we also will be my Lord's servants. So this shows their trust for one another's integrity. He said, let it be as you say, he who is found with it shall be my servant and the rest of you shall be innocent. Then each man quickly lowered his sack to the ground believing truly that they don't have anything in there. Each man opened his sack and he searched beginning with the eldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes in mourning and every man loaded his donkey and they returned to the city. Verse 14, when Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, so here we see Judah taking the lead. He was still there. They fell before him to the ground again, bowing down before him as he dreamed. Joseph said to them, what deed is this that you have done? Do you not know what a man like me can indeed practice divination? And Judah said, what shall we say, my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also in whose hand the cup has been found. But he said, far be it from me that I should do so. Only the man in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. Then Judah went up to him and said, Oh, my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ears and let not your anger burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servant saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, Yeah, we have a father, an old man and a young brother, the child of his old age. 
His brother is dead and he alone is left of his mother's children and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me that I may set my eyes on him. We said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father for if he should leave his father, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And when our father said, go again, buy us a little food, we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother goes with us, then we will go down for we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons, one left me. And I said, surely he has been torn to pieces and I've never seen him since. If you take this one also from me and harm happens to him, you will bring down my gray hairs and evil to Sheol. Now, therefore, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, then as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to Sheol. For your servant became a pledge of safety for the boy to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life." Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. So here we see yet another transformation in Judah. You see, before he didn't care what his father thought. All of the brothers brought this blood-dipped, torn-up robe of Joseph and were like, here you go, dad, your son's gone. They weren't worried about how he felt, but here they clearly are so concerned about how their father is going to deal with yet another brother being gone. And Judah here is saying, I'll take his place. And this confession and this intercession is the thing that is going to move Joseph's heart. Chapter 45, then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. And I get it. I mean, this is like dead man walking. Verse four. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. So he's not letting them off the hook here. I mean, he's still holding them accountable. Like, remember what y'all did, but yet he is displaying his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy in this moment. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. And this reminds me of the way that Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So we continue to see traits of Jesus within Joseph. I mean, he tells them, don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because he's trying to tell them, I need you to forgive yourselves as I have forgiven you. And I'm sure seeing Joseph face to face is stirring up some pretty painful memories that they never thought would present themselves in the flesh. Yet here they are. And the trigger has been pulled. You see, some of us can forgive others, but yet we have the hardest time forgiving ourselves. So heart check, are you still distressed or angry with yourself for things that you've done in your past? Are you being held down by condemnation? 
Verse six, for the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. Now we will see a lot about God saving a remnant throughout the Bible. Verse eight, so it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, and your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. So here we are seeing that promise being fulfilled that God spoke to Abraham that his descendants would live in a foreign land. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt, and of all that you have seen. Hurry, and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck, and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. Now, when the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this, load up your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come to me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Have no concern for your goods for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. So he's telling him, leave everything behind. What we have here is better than anything that you're going to leave. Verse 21, then the sons of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. So he's loading them up with some trail mix and U-Hauls. To each and all of them, he gave a change of clothes, but to Benjamin, he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. So here we see him providing Benjamin once again with more. Verse 23, to his father, he sent as follows, 10 donkeys loaded with good things of Egypt, 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provision for his father on the journey. Then he sent his brothers away. And as they departed, he said to them, do not quarrel on the way. Interesting that he has to tell them that because I wonder if he's thinking, all right, they're probably going to get in a fight over what I've given to Benjamin. So they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father, Jacob. And they told him, Joseph is still alive and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb for he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father, Jacob revived. And Israel said, so notice it was Jacob whose heart was numb. Now Israel saying this, it is enough. Joseph, my son is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So it goes from all is against me to it is enough. So in the end, this is one of the greatest redemptive stories in the Bible. And it reveals such massive forgiveness and grace for a grave sin that occurred 20 years back. And I wonder how many of us are still carrying around unforgiveness for something that happened to us so long ago. We will say things like, yeah, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. 
But the danger with that is that it leaves a foot in the door for the barrel of a gun to be perched, just waiting for the moment that you can be triggered and to pull it and destroy everything before you. You see, that isn't true forgiveness. So heart check. If you were face to face with someone who wronged you long ago, how would you react? What does this say about forgiveness in your heart? Now, I do want to add an asterisk to that. Doesn't necessarily mean that you need to fake it till you make it or hang around these people or continue in a life of abuse or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. The forgiveness is a state of our hearts. So it's a matter of setting ourselves free from that bitterness, that anger, that resentment, anything that might hold us captive to that person. That's the thing. If you're truly wanting to be unlinked from someone who has hurt you, the best thing that you can do is to forgive them. And I so love this display of God's grace because it shows how He can take such a wackadoodle family and create an entire nation out of it. And this isn't just any old nation. I mean, this is His nation, the apple of His eye. These are His people. And it gives us hope that He will do the same with our wackadoodle lives, right? So let's take a look at some deep dive questions. How does Joseph's life inspire forgiveness, reconciliation, and resolve within families? What is the significance of Judah's role? Do you feel Joseph's testing was excessive? What moved Joseph's heart to finally surrender his identity? And do you believe God was directing Joseph in all of his testing? Or was this his own human inclination? Do you believe that we can test others in this way? So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your purpose always prevails. We are so grateful for this, Lord, because there have been so many times where we may have resisted or even unknowingly worked so hard against your will. So we thank you for your grace and your mercy in that and for persistence in pursuing us anyway. Thank you for transforming us from selfish and greedy, envious, jealous, conniving, deceitful people to ones who are content and able to rejoice with those who rejoice. And if we still struggle with this, Lord, I pray that you will continue to work on us. Help us not to feel condemned in any way or to feel so defeated that we just give up. We never wanna stop short in this walk with you. I thank you, Lord, for continuing to invite us to dine with you at your table. One of the greatest gifts you've given to us is the ability to have communion with you. And so I pray that we never take that for granted. Help us to not wallow in our sin or faults, but simply recognize that those points of weaknesses are the exact points that need strengthening, and you're gonna give it to us. Forgive us, Lord, purify us, cleanse us now from our past. Help us also to forgive ourselves, for sometimes we are the last ones that we give grace to. And I thank you that every time we come into your presence, it's an opportunity to be washed and refreshed and fed. Now, it isn't why we come, but it is in your kindness and abundance of grace where you always give back more than we could ever bring. And while the tests in our lives may feel as though we are straining or may be a little bit painful, we're gonna welcome them, Lord, because we know it is our second chance to pass the test where we may have failed. I pray that we will show up in the times of preparation for that test so that we are ready when the day comes. And I pray that we will be a people who are not cynical, but trusting of others' true intentions. We don't wanna be naive, Lord, but we wanna be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I pray that we will continually fight for unity and restoration and reconciliation the same way that you do. 
May we carry your heart in all that we say and do. Help us to forgive completely, Lord, and not just partially, for we know that that is not true forgiveness. Where families may have fallen apart, will you bring them back together today? We love you so much, Lord, and we thank you for this word, for this faithfulness that we see in the life of Joseph. We praise you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Heaven and salvation is a divine gift that is given to us by grace. None of us deserve it. In fact, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, and every single one of us have fallen short, and then we desperately need someone to pay that price. And Jesus did it. He didn't do it because we are righteous on our own merit. He did it because He loves us, and He wants to spend eternity with us. But it won't happen if we don't receive Him before we leave this earth as Lord and Savior. Hell is a very real thing and there is no second chance after we take our last breath here. So I wanna be able to give someone the opportunity today who is saying, I'm ready. I've never given my life to Christ. I don't know where I'm gonna end up after I die, but I don't wanna live another day without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt where I am going to end up. I see now that this is real and I want to believe. So if that is you, we're gonna say a prayer. And I'm going to put the words on the screen so that you can say them audibly with your mouth because the Bible says that when you believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he died and rose again, then you will be saved. So we're going to say this prayer together. Believe it in your heart, speak it with your mouth, and know that this is indeed the day of your salvation. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe that you came, you died, and you rose again. I confess my sins to you today, and I turn from them, and I now live my life for you. I know that I am forgiven of all my sins, so I receive you now as Lord and Savior, and I belong to you, Jesus. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.